This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. Well, good morning, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. It's so good to have you tuning in tonight. We have a powerful show for you, and I know that Listen, there's a lot of things you could do on a Saturday night. You could be at the movies. You could be doing a whole lot of things. But you're listening to God's Word. The Bible says that the Word of God is quick, sharp. It's powerful. It says in Jeremiah that the Word is a hammer and it is a fire. And it could break the man's heart into pieces. It crushes the hard rock and the stony hearts of people. Softens it up so they can receive the word that can change their life. And so you're tuned in. So listen, that means that there's going to be change in your life. There's going to be transformation. And so you are doing the right thing tonight by tuning in. We have an awesome broadcast for you. And I know that you will not get off this broadcast unchanged by the power of God. And I want to pray before we start. And I want to believe God that His anointing and His power, His authority will be in you and upon you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for every person listening and tuning in tonight. Give to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Take the word of God. Make it uh, bare and naked before their eyes that they could see the truth. That, Lord, it wouldn't just be mere words, but I pray, Father, that the very breath of life that's upon this Bible would go into their spirit. Pray that they would be renewed and transformed by the image that's in this word. Let it be more than just ink on a piece of paper, but let it pierce their spirit and cause them to rise to heights in Christ that they have not yet attended to. We thank and praise you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you again, and I want to let you know before we get started that the Transforming Truth broadcast is on podcast. Some people tell me, and they joke and say, well, we can't stay up that late and listen to your show and I understand and that's why we have a podcast for you and I tell them go on to iTunes go and type in on the road with Chris Palmer and you can pick it up and all of our broadcasts from Detroit and Boston as well as preaching from different places is on that podcast it's free and it will be a blessing to you and you can listen to it as many times as you want right there on your iPhone the power of technology I also want to let you know that Like I just mentioned, we're on in Boston, AM 590. People ask me, they say, can we tune into this show? Yes, you can. All you have to do is download an app that I like. It's called TuneIn Radio. You can get it out the App Store on your Droid or uh, on your iPhone. And set it for AM 590, W-E-Z-E, in Boston. And at 7.30 on Tuesday nights, I'll come on and you can hear me. Or if you can't make 7.30 Tuesday night, just go on and get the podcast and you can follow our teachings as we continue our series. I'm doing a totally different series in Boston, and people there are enjoying it. It's called Preserving a Nation, especially in the day and age that we're living in, where the spirit of the age has taken the minds of the masses and using logic to destroy and corrupt the traditional values that are in the Word of God and the law of God. And I'm taking them line by line through the foundation of the republic in America, how America is not a democracy. Actually, we're a republic. Pledge of Allegiance says unto the Republic, for which it stands, one nation under God, that this nation was founded on biblical principles. And I'm showing you, even though there were some founding fathers that didn't necessarily call themselves Christians, they still took the Word of God as the highest authority and the moral fabric of the nation. And so we're going through that. It'll be a blessing to you. I want to remind you that we're a listener-supported broadcast and we're a supported ministry. If you want to support Chris Palmer Ministries and our radio broadcast, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com or you can write to us P.O. Box 403, Bald Lake, Michigan, 48390. We're coming out with more broadcasts and we're also, we have a book coming out. Now we're going to take this book that uh, is going to come out in September. It's called The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation. It is a comprehensive guide to the born-again, spirit-filled life. Very few books are this comprehensive about what it means to be born again and to receive the fullness of the Spirit and how to carry that out practically in your life and takes you, it just takes you through a lot of things. 
and we want to get this book into the hands of as many people as we can. We want to get it into uh, mental institutions uh, because we at Chris Palmer Ministries believe in mental health. And one thing that we do is we want to minister to people that are struggling and have difficulty uh, with their minds. And this book will do a great job of bringing forth light and in, in, in darkness and, and bringing forth the truth. So if you want to sponsor uh, getting this book into the hands of mental patients, or we're also going to send that book down to the Caicos Islands down there so they can use it as a, re a resource and study from it. And uh, so if you want to sponsor a book, just write to us at info at chrispalmerministries.com, and your sponsorship dollars will go to see into that book gets into people's hands and be a part of the production of our book. And uh, we'll make that book available as soon as it's out. It's at the publisher now, and that's a process that takes time, but it should be out soon. And so we look forward to it. Now, let's get into the Word of God. I want to minister tonight on the topic of reviving the presence of God. There are a lot of replacements, let me start off saying this, for the presence. That's because the devil, or Satan, he hates the presence of God. The presence of God is the devil's demise. And there is a reason why the devil hates the presence of God so much. This is one thing that has constantly been under attack in the body of Christ, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and that is the manifestation of God's presence. Now listen, when I talk about the presence, I have to clearly define my term. Because if I say presence and you think it means one thing, and it actually means another, we're not going to get any place. Let me define the presence of God for you. The presence of God is His glory. It is His power. It is His might. It is His authority, all wrapped up into one. When God goes anywhere, or God does anything, He doesn't do it without His presence. If God is going to manifest through the power of the Holy Ghost inside of a service, you can expect the presence of God to be there. You cannot be in the presence of God and not know it. You cannot respond to it, but something inside of you, whether you act on it or react on it, is going to know that you're in the presence of God. Even sinners, when they come into, the, into a church service and they're sitting there, and the presence of God shows up. Those sinners know they're in the presence of a holy God. Now, I've been in church service before. It happens quite often, actually. Where, and it's not unusual, at least. Where I'm preaching the word of God. And somebody is in the service who doesn't know Jesus. Full of the devil, maybe even. And the presence of God starts showing up after the word is preached. And they start getting uncomfortable. They start getting restless. They start getting mostly irritated. And they leave the service. Well, that person responded to the presence. And they walked out of the service. Then there are people that whose hearts are for God. Whether they're convicted. Whether they're moved. And they respond opposite to the presence. And they surrender to it. So, there's when the presence of God shows up in a place. There are two options that you have. You can either respond to the presence. Or you can harden yourself against the presence. Now, understand this. The devil does not want you to have God's presence in your life. And he will do everything necessary to get you to compromise the presence. Because the devil knows that if you carry his presence, the presence of God, that ultimately he's not going to have any ground, he is not going to have any authority, and he's not going to have any wiggle room to move in your life. And so Satan wants to keep you from having this in your life personally. But more than just personally, I have found that the kingdom of darkness does more to ruffle the feathers of the public than he does people personally. In other words, he's working more on a civil level. And true darkness doesn't just work on someone personally. Real, true, the deepest of all darkness is at the height of government and in places of influence trying to change society. He's trying to get a bigger bang for his buck. And so the devil's objective, and we're going to see in just a bit as we go into the word of God, his objective from the time that 
he started dealing with Adam in the Garden of Eden was to get man out of God's presence or get the presence out of man. He has tried. He's trying. He's working. He, we even see with the passing of Doma last week that he is doing everything he can to get the people to turn their backs on God. With Excuse me, the striking down of Doma. To get everything they can do to turn their backs on God, to get the presence of God and the law of God out of the nations. And let me just say this, and this is a side note. You'll notice that uh, the God's law is attached to his presence. You say, what does Doma and the striking down of Doma have to do with the presence of God in the nation? Well, you understand that when the nation of Israel had the Ark of the Covenant, what was inside that Ark? Two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, God's laws. If you were to take God's laws out of the ark, when David, the Bible says that when David, when Solomon brought the, the ark of God into his house after he had built the temple, the only thing that was in it, that ark at that time, was the Ten Commandments or the stones by Moses representing the law of God. And the presence of God rested upon that law. The moment you take the law out, the presence goes. That's why the devil is trying so hard to rearrange the Ten Commandments and rearrange the law of God in the United States of America. Because he knows if he can get, if he can get America off the law, if he can get America away from what we were established upon, the presence of God is going to go. And the devil can't stand in the presence of God. The devil has no room to maneuver in the presence. So... He tries to create a vacuum of darkness, and one of the first things that he knows is that the presence is attached to the law, the presence is attached to the word, and he's got to eject the law, and he can eject the presence, and he'll have for himself a whole vast empire of darkness, and he's working for that cause every single day, even at the height of government. So, <clears throat> I want to read to you, <clears throat> excuse me, out of Luke chapter 10 tonight, this is what it says. Luke chapter 10 verse 1 says, After these things the Lord appointed seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face, into every city and place, whither he himself would come. And then it says here, in verse number 17, after the seven had, 70 had carried out their ministry, that means there was 35 groups, two by two, it said that, and the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Now, Jesus has an interesting response to this question, or what they, or they're not question, but their statement. And he says in verse number 18, if you have your Bibles open, it will help you to see this. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Then in verse 19 he says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 20, Now withstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now this is what Jesus is saying. It goes very deep here. Now before I break this down, understand this. The presence of God, His presence, God's presence, is only attached to those things that are authentically of God. Whether God moves or when He moves, He always moves in His presence. And so, God's presence cannot be attached to anything that is not authentically God. And so, understanding this, the devil tries to pull out from churches, pull out from people, things that are authentically God. Things that have come from the, the divine mastermind of the Lord and replace them with substitutes. Some of these substitutes include religion, tradition, old ways of doing things, or new, quote-unquote, innovative ways of doing things. And this is what Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 calls having the form of godliness with no power. Because just like we saw with the Ark of the Covenant, and we're going to see, that the presence went with that Ark because what did you have in the Ark? You have the manna that fell from heaven, a jar of it. You had Aaron's rod. And you had the law of God, all representative of three different acts of God. God's provision, God's laws, 
and God's ability for the nation of Israel. Well, because of this, God was in it, and his presence was there. Start filling the ark up with stuff or something else that's secular, and you're no longer going to have God moving with them. And that's what the enemy attempts and tries to do. And so, this is what the devil does when he goes and tries to put inside of a home or church things that look religious, things that, you know, look nice and Christian-like. But, and, you know, I'll give you an example. I've gone, have you ever gone into a home before? And while you're standing in the home, you see they have a picture of the Ten Commandments on the wall. They have a picture of Jesus over on the wall. But you get into the house and you immediately sense that the house is a house of disarray. Have you ever gone into a house before and you walk in and you sense that there's just tension in the air? It's not really a place of peace. It's not a home where you know the presence of God is at. Well, they could be church-going people. They could be people that believe in God's laws. They may even have a Bible or ten of them inside that house. But they have an atmosphere of disarray. Because what they're believing is that it's religion. It's, yeah, we have a Bible, yeah, we go to church, but what they don't have in that house is the presence. There's no atmosphere. You know that God really is not manifesting himself in that house. Same thing with churches. They may even preach the word. They may do things and try to win souls. They may have outreaches. They may do a lot of things. But when you walk into the church, there's no conviction, no presence. They go and they do worship, but the presence doesn't come. Either they stop it or they are not for it. They have other agendas. Well, when you start to see what God's presence did to the devil here in Jesus' statement in Luke chapter 10, you'll find out why the devil is fighting so hard, friend, to keep the presence of God out of your car, to keep the presence of God from traveling with you, to keep the presence out of your church, to keep your pastor disinterested in everything but the presence. Because it is his demise, and he'll hand you religion, he'll hand to you forms of religion, he'll hand you things that look like religion, and new suggestions of doing things but none of those things have any power because they are an empty ark just a shell of religion now let's go back to luke chapter 10 and i want to break this down to you so jesus in verse 10 excuse me verse 1 of chapter 10 says after these things the lord appointed 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where that he would self come. But notice, first of all, it says that Jesus, he wanted them to go into every single city and every single place, whither he himself would come. Jesus was just one man. He couldn't be in every single city. He came to Capernaum. He came to Nain. He came to Jerusalem. He was in Judea and Galilee, but he couldn't be everywhere. So, I mean, he was in Bethsaida. He went as many places, Nazareth, even with the Nazareth, they rejected him, but he couldn't be everywhere. So he says, you know what, I'm going to take 35 different groups, and I'm going to have them, now listen to this, represent me. When God appoints you, he is appointing you to represent him. When God in the Old Testament appointed prophets, he appointed Elijah, then he appointed Elisha, he had appointed Nathan, he had appointed David's prophet, who was Gad. When he appointed these men, he gave them the appointment for representation. God doesn't just appoint people to lift them high and exalt them. He appoints people so that they can represent him in the earth, that they can move and act the way he moves and the way he acts. But listen to this. If God is going to appoint you to represent him, you have to carry his presence upon you. And if you don't have his presence... You can't represent him, and he should not have appointed you if you're going to refuse his presence. And he's not going to appoint you if you refuse his presence. Because it says here in verse 1, to go whither he himself would come. So if you're going to represent God, you have to carry a presence about you the same way that God had that presence upon him. God is not out there. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now that's as clear cut as the day is from the night. God's desire is that nobody should die. 
You know, our responsibility as believers is we're not out here just trying to awaken the elect. The world has been elected by God to be saved. And whether someone chooses them or not is is a matter of what's in that person's heart. It's not God that just sovereignly appointed some to be saved and some to perish. It's not how he is. He's full of love. He loves everyone. You know, it's just absurd to think that. That would be criminal in the age that we're living in today. We have laws against just showing favoritism to the point of death when it comes to families and their children. Anyway, so he wants everyone to be saved. So God said, listen, he huddled in 70 people. He said, I need you to represent me. I want you to take my presence into the different places that you go, and I want you to cast out devils. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to help the lame. I want you to go everywhere and infiltrate every single place with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what was it that Jesus was, what kind, what, what power was he giving them to represent him with, because if God's going to appoint you any place and, and, and give you the ability to represent him, then he's going to have to give to you a certain power to represent him with. That power is seen in Matthew chapter 3. The Bible says, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. And then he says that after John the Baptist came along and was preaching in the wilderness, you know the story. In verse 16, Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, descending on him like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This was the power of the Holy Ghost that came upon Jesus. Now, it was the fullness of the Spirit. This was the first time anybody had the full measure of the Holy Ghost without any type of limitation. Elijah, Elisha, Elijah did 16 miracles. Elijah, he did 32 miracles, a double portion of what Elijah had. And you'll see, you know, they did great things. You'll see that David had the anointing of the Spirit. Solomon, God appeared to him in a dream and asked him what he wanted. He wanted wisdom. Solomon had wisdom to rule his whole court, make decisions, and he was so world famous for his wisdom that the queen, the queen of Sheba came. And the Bible says that when she got into the presence of Solomon and saw all that he had built and saw the stature and manner of their garments and how they attended to the people and the tape, just the excellence that was upon his kingdom, she says her heart failed her. She was overwhelmed and knew that what she had heard was true. This was because Solomon had the Spirit of God in measure. But they couldn't have the Spirit without measure, and that's because they were not born again. Jesus was the first man in 4,000 years after Adam to be born without sin in his life. And because he had that and he was reborn, he could have the Spirit of God upon him without measure. That means that there was nothing inside of Jesus that could limit the Holy Ghost to working with him without all fullness. So he walked around with full power, full delegated authority and had the presence upon him so jesus knew now see he had the presence on him and it was totally and completely thick concentrated you know the things of god they're very very concentrated i remember when i was a young man and my mom would go to the grocery store and buy concentrate for juice she would buy a little uh, it looked like a capsule, and you'd take the plastic off the top of the capsule, and you would, it was, uh, you know, it was a, like a liquid, it was more of a solid, and it would slide out and land in the pitcher, and then you have to pour water in it and stir it up, and then that little bit of concentrate, frozen concentrate, could make a whole pitcher of orange juice, and I remember that uh, I used to, when she wasn't looking, open it up and eat the concentrate, because it was so sweet, and it was so concentrated, and See that that's it you this is so sweet it could go a long way. It's kinda like uh there was a a a a hot sauce shop. You could buy all different types of hot sauce when I was in college. And there was a bottle and they were guarding it. And you had to have I think special permission or be eighteen at least to buy this hot sauce. And I said, What is, what is with this? Is there is there alcohol in it? What is this? They said, No, no, no. This is so potent. This little bottle right here can make, I think, a hundred and some pots of chili. I said, this little bottle here? They said, yeah, one drop is enough to make a whole pot of chili, you know, very hot. It's concentrated. Well, 
the things of God are very concentrated. They have discovered recently, you know, the Bible says that all things are held together with the word of his power. They've discovered recently that there is some type of force that holds all of the planets together, that holds the universe together, but particularly our galaxy and then even in our galaxy, our solar system and in our where the earth moves around in, right there in our solar system. And I was told this by a credible source. That if they could bottle up this force that holds the universe together and put it in a glass, that it could power the whole earth for like a million years. Just a little bit of that stuff. That's how potent, that's how concentrated the things of God are. That's <clears throat> how dense His presence is. Now, you... The Holy Ghost is put upon Jesus without measure. And that's his presence upon Jesus. And when Jesus went places, he didn't start his ministry without the presence of God. Do you know how many young ministers miss this? Young ministers, and not just young, but old, but particularly young because they're ambitious. I tell young ministers, if you want God to use you, he's got to crush you first. And there's some doctrines that don't like that, but God is in the business of crushing because he can only use you so much with you have so full of dreams and so full of ambitions. Well, a lot of times that ambition is not God. It's selfish ambition. It's not until you crush that you can be totally surrendered before God. I don't mean he gives you sickness and disease, but I mean a humble spirit and a spirit that's willing to do what God has called you to do. God doesn't get behind your dreams. He gets behind you when you get behind his dreams for your life. And that may not be what you want for your life and a broken spirit will be willing and obedient to do what the voice of the lord says to do well when you get this and you start moving in ministry the minute that you have a broken and humble spirit before god what he does is he puts his presence on you i've gone to a lot of different places in my ministry and preached before I've gone to big churches and i've gone to small churches and i can tell you that there have been big churches that have no presence, and there have been small churches that have a lot of presence. There have been big churches that have the presence, but I'm comparing big and small. And I would take a small church that's busted up and beat down, but has the presence of God over a immaculate church with talent, because it's just that powerful. And I would say this, any young minister that wants to preach the Word of God they don't necessarily have to have all the greatest talent. They don't necessarily have to have the look that the world is looking for. Because a lot of that is vanity anyway. But if you have the presence, God's going to see to it that your ministry is what he desires and he considers to be effective. You can't be effective without the presence. And so Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he had the fullness of the presence. And as ministers and preachers, we can't begin our ministries. Until we can start moving with the presence of God. The more presence we have in our ministry, the more effective our ministry is going to get. And I remember one time when I was young preaching years ago. I know I'm still young now, but even a lot younger than what I am now. I'd preach and there was knowledge and there was information. There was uh, a good amount of revelation that had been revealed to me by the Spirit. And I thought that was that was the height of what I was looking for. But then I started to realize that when I'm ministering, there's no presence. It was just information and revelation, but there was no presence there. And the Lord challenged me to go on a journey to discover how to get the presence of God back into my ministry. How to get the presence back into prayer, back into service. One person can get up. And teach and hand down information. And people say, oh, that was good, that was good. I got five principles of ways to be successful, five principles, way to be prosperous, five ways God can heal me. And now they have the information, but they they have not experienced the they have not experienced the presence of God that can change them. You can give someone five ways to be saved, and they can sit, and they're not even saved, and they can sit there, and they can look over them and say, okay, five ways to be saved. Number one, believe that I'm a sinner. Number two, that believe that Jesus came to save me. Number three, confess with my mouth. Number four, believe in my heart. Number five, declare it to be so. And they not really be changed by that. 
but they can get in the presence of God without even knowing those five steps and their heart can get convicted and be overwhelmed and realize on its own, oh my God, something's not right here. Why do I feel so dirty all of a sudden? Why do I feel so wrong? What needs to change in my life? And they realize they're in the presence of a holy God and their righteousness without God's righteousness is like filthy rags. And they'd be so overwhelmed, they cry out from their heart and say, God, save me. God saves them, and they receive a new righteousness and a new heart before God. And guess what? Now they're saved. They're born again. No one had to give them the principles. Nobody had to twist their arm. No one had to convince them. The presence did all that for them. And when you walk in that presence, and you learn how to maintain and revive and handle that presence in your life, you'll be a lot more effective. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went places and people threw themselves down in front of him. They had they just heard of his fame and threw themselves down before him because he carried such a presence about him. He was the presence of the divine. So he told the 70, listen, I cannot send you forth until you go forth with my presence, until you go forth with my authority. So he took it and he put it upon them. Not the fullness, but... If if Jesus was the bottle of concentrate, he put a drop on every single one of those 70 men and said, this drop is enough for one missionary journey. The presence that's on me that's concentrated, you take it and you go into 35 different cities with just a measure of my presence. Tell me what happens when you come back. I want to see. They came back and they said, wow. They said, Jesus, this is some extremely powerful stuff. He said, uh-huh. He said, this stuff is so powerful. He said, the devils, the devils, they obey us. They're subject unto us through thy name. Now, this is extremely interesting. This is very interesting as to why they said the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Why didn't they say sickness is subject? Why didn't they say disease is subject? Why is it they said, did you realize that the devils are the ones that are subject unto us through thy name? This is because in Jesus' day and before his day, in the day of the Old Testament, that the Jewish people, when you study Jewish mysticism, and what you shouldn't, I mean, you got to be careful when you study all that, but they, they were mystics. They, there was a mystic side of Judaism. There was a spiritual side of Judaism that was beyond the law. And they all, if you were in the land of Israel, believed in that spirit realm. All you have to do is go in the Old Testament and study the prophets and the school of the prophets. And how a prophet in Israel, if there was an appointment on your life to be a prophet, how you had to study. And how you learned through mentorship to hear the voice of the Lord, beginning with Samuel during his day. Uh, when the word of the Lord was rare. And you can study other prophets in scripture that, you know, I was reading in First Kings chapter 22 last night about Micaiah. Who Micaiah, it, I mean, this was, I mean, it was phenomenally interesting about uh, when... In the life of Micaiah, when you study about how King Ahab came to him and said, Hey, Micaiah, you know, should we go into battle? And he summoned all the prophets around him. And all the prophets told him, Yeah, yeah, you, you should go into battle. And <laughs> Ahab said, Well, there's another prophet in the land. He says, I hate him because he always prophesies bad things to me. And so they brought Micaiah before him. And he, well, he told Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah during that time, Ahab told Jehoshaphat they were both going to go into battle and between Syria. And Ahab told Jehoshaphat, he said, there's a guy. And he says, I hate him because he always tells me the wrong thing. And so Jehoshaphat says, well, you know, bring him, bring him here. And um, so he said, Micaiah, should I go into battle? And Micaiah says, of course, you know, go and prosper for the Lord shall deliver into the hand the king. And Jehoshaphat tells Ahab, he says, yep, see, I told you, he would prophesy good, not evil. And the king says, no, no, no. He said, 
he said, Micaiah, tell me the real truth. And Micaiah says, surely you're going to be destroyed. And they look at him and say, what, what, why did you tell us the truth? Why did you tell us beforehand that we should go up into battle, and now you're telling us that we're going to get destroyed? And he said that when he looked into the spirit realm, he says he saw that the Lord says, who will go forth and persuade Ahab to go into battle? And he says that he saw a spirit, a lying spirit, stand before God and say, I'll go before Ahab and I'll persuade him that he should go into battle, that I could strike him down. And it says in verse 23 in 1 Kings 22, Now therefore, behold, the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets, and they spoke evil to Ahab. And Ahab disregarded what he had to say, and he went in battle, and he was killed. An arrow struck through him, and he died in his carriage. So you see that the Israel was very spiritual in that time. Israel was uh, very spiritual, and because of that, they believed in the spirit realm. And that's one of the reasons why the 70 noted that the devils were subject unto Israel because during that time they saw the presence of devils in, you know, Moab, in the children of Ammon, in all the different Philistines, and even in Israel. But nobody ever had authority over the devil until the time Jesus came along. We're going to talk about this when we come back. Stay tuned. When we get back from break, we're going to talk more about the presence of God. We'll be right back. I learned these songs from church to church. Maybe you know this. I love to pray.
And we are back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are talking tonight about the presence of God. And we are in Luke chapter 10, and we're noticing that Israel, excuse me, in the land of Israel, when Jesus appointed the 70 and put the presence of God upon them, that he told them to go and represent him. And the 70 returned. They said, Jesus, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. This was said by the 70 with great excitement. And they said that the devils are subject unto us through that name because everybody in Israel believed in the spirit realm and believed in demons and believed in devils, but nobody up to that time had ever had authority over the devil. That's why when Jesus walked and cast out devils, he was a phenomena because no Jewish rabbi before Jesus, no king, no prophet had control and authority over the devil until Jesus came along carrying the presence of God on his life. And so there was a great attachment of the presence of God with taking authority over the devil. When you move in the presence, the devil can't stand in the presence. And when Jesus had this free presence of God on his life, he pushed darkness out. You can't stand in the presence of God. You know, it's like the old saying, this town is not big enough for the both of us. Well, when you have the presence, the devil has to go. And so they were amazed at this. Jesus' response to this was, see, in verse 19, he says, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Well, that's that's one of, that's the authority that he's referring to. So he, listen, he starts talking about the authority in verse number 19. But in verse 18, See, it would have been sufficient for him to leave, to, to go right into verse 19 and answer and say, Why well, give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions? And that would mean that he's talking about authority to tread upon the devil. But, he says in verse 18, Before that, I saw Satan fall from heaven. This is a very abrupt statement. Why would he say this? Jesus was going back to the origin of Satan's demise to explain what the power that the 70 had was that they were carrying. You know, of course, in history that Satan, who was called Lucifer, the son of the morning, led a rebellion of one-third of the angelic host into the planet heaven. And this rebellion, they had the audacity to without any invitation and to illegally go into the presence of God. Now, I've read some books on angelology and some scholars will actually say that there is a divine order in the angelic realm based upon the writing of the Hebrew and studying angels from the Old Testament in the Hebrew and that there are certain angels that are so high in rank that they can't approach other angels. Because of rank, it's kind of like a private first class can't go right up to a sergeant or, excuse me, go right up to a general. There's a rank that has to be respected. Well, this writer, this theologian that I was reading after, he said the same thing in the spirit realm. And then he said, of course, that there are certain angels that that can appear in the presence of God, whereas most angels can't. So there's rank in the angelic realm. Um, you know, the uh, in, in the book of First Samuel chapter, excuse me, first, uh, yeah, Samuel chapter 1, Hannah continually calls God, uh, in the Hebrew, Hashem, Lord of the legions. Well, she does this because, in when you get into the commentary on it, the legions that he's talking about means, it's really the same thing that Paul is talking about in Colossians, where he says that through him was created uh, ain, or excuse me, uh, thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. She's referring to the fact that he has made a created order in the in the galaxy and in the universes. He's just got all that. Well, Satan, Lucifer, was one of the highest ranking angels, and he took many of these legions, one third of the legions, of all created things and all things angelic, and appeared before God in heaven, and they came into the presence of God without his permission, with rebellion. Rebellion in their heart. There is an order. The way that you approach the presence of God. And the thing that Lucifer did wrong is he came into that presence with rebellion in his heart. 
And when rebellion that was in the heart of Lucifer came into the holy presence of God, the supreme rebel of the universe who used to be the leader of the armies of God, he was cast down to the earth and he was struck down to the terra firma. And this means that Lucifer's first defeat, it's not his only defeat, but his first defeat came in the presence of God. You know, I remember my first defeat uh, when I was an athlete playing basketball. I remember what the feeling like is to lose. I remember we uh, lost a big game when I was in see, 7th grade. No, 6th grade. And the feeling that I felt when I was 12 years old. I never forget what it's like to lose. There were some games we played in high school, in my high school days of playing ball. And I remember what it was like to lose. But I never forgot what, you know, my first loss. First time I was devastated by losing something. Well, you don't. Because you experience the feeling of defeat for the first time and you never forget what it tastes like. Well, uh, the devil, or Lucifer, his first defeat came in the presence of God. And so, he's smart enough to know that anytime I get in his presence, I'm going to be defeated. Anytime I get around the presence of God, it's going to mean my demise. And so the presence of God became the ultimate enemy of Satan. And so when Satan was cast down to the earth, it was his objective that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make the terra firma. I'm going to make this earth my territory, my kingdom. And my job is to locate the governments, locate the people, and take the presence out of civil order. Because if the people of God start... Uh, petitioning God for his presence then I'm going to lose this ground that I'm in right now now what I find interesting is there's a, there's a lot of people that they uh you know say that well you know God's not fair he's against sin why does he allow sin to continue on the universe he struck the devil down to the earth and let the devil to roam but they don't read the whole story yeah I know the devil's been roaming for 6,000 years but listen 4,000 years 6,000 years, that's not a lot of time for God. That's enough time for him to get up off his throne. And so when God struck him down to the universe and he hit the ground like lightning, that wasn't the end of his dealings with Lucifer. God was going to get off of his throne in the form of Jesus and come down to the earth and track Lucifer down with his presence and cast him out of the earth. Look at what Jesus says here. So Jesus was telling the disciples the reason that the reason that this is working for you is not just because you have authority, it's because you have authority that comes from my presence. And my presence defeated the devil. And any time that you take my presence somewhere and you find a devil or you find a demon the propagators of sickness and disease and torment and depression and fear. Anytime you find that and you, and you match it with my presence, it is a reenactment. It is a reminder to the devil of what happened. What happened in heaven on that day where he was struck down to the earth. He's reminding us, oh, it's, not, it's the presence again. Don't get those 35, don't get those 70, those 35 groups with their presence because if they find demons of fear, demons of sickness, demons of torment, they're just going to reenact in a smaller scale what took place when the one-third were cast down to the earth and the devil screams. I can tell you one of the greatest days, of course it was a great day when Jesus came and was born in a manger, when the Messiah came to the earth, but... Don't discount Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus received the fullness of the Holy Ghost when the Holy Ghost came into the earth and rested upon Jesus. 
Because then Jesus was able to dish it out and measure. So you can take, take the presence and measure. Take the presence and measure. And then if that was a stunning death blow, then Jesus the head who received the Holy Ghost, in Acts chapter 2, the whole church received the Holy Ghost. And the body receives it. And it's just a matter of time before the whole earth is full of his presence. So the devil's got to fight it. Got to fight the presence. So in Luke chapter 10, 19 and 20, Jesus is not just talking about authority. He's talking about the presence. You know why a lot of people that believe in authority, it doesn't work for them sometimes? It's because they're trying to use their authority without carrying the presence of God in their life. You need the presence and you need the authority. But the presence is very important. And so I know people say, well, God is around us all the time. and We just receive by faith the presence and the presence never leaves us. I'm not talking about that. Yes, of course, God is um. He's all places at all times. But remember, if he's going to settle in on you, and he's going to be there in manifestation, there is a way to treat the presence of God. And so when I say we need to contend for the presence, I'm not saying we need to contend to beg God to send us his presence, because he sent us the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying is we need to make our hearts right. We need to get our hearts pure. We need to have reverence for God. So that his presence can continue with us. Because, you know, when the dove settled upon and lighted, the Bible says, you know, lighting means like a bird who comes to rest upon a branch. You ever see how smooth the bird comes down and lands upon it and how skilled and precise he is when he lands on the branch? Well, you get close to that bird and make a noise or kick over, a, a, you know, a stick or a rock. That bird's gone. Sensitive. That's how the presence of God is. So we have to make sure that we're continually being mindful of God's presence. So look what Jesus says now. He shifts from the presence in verse number 18, and he starts talking about the authority, and he says, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. What is he saying? He's saying the presence of God is like bug spray. I know that sounds elementary, and it kind of sounds juvenile, but think about this. He's saying that the presence of God exterminates serpents it exterminates scorpions it exterminates every harmful thing you know it's pestilence demons are pestilences in the church demons are pestilences in humanity when you study the origin of demons and you find out why they came they're here demons are here to propagate every temptation there's a demon of lust there's a demon of pride there's a demon that's over there trying to Get people to bicker and fight and gossip and be divided. And God is saying this. If you get the presence upon your life, it will expel serpents. It will expel scorpions. That's why when I go to homes and people say, well, I want you to bless my home, Reverend Palmer. Well, I want, I'm going to bless your home. And we're going to take authority over anything that happened in this home before you got there. But listen to me now. If you don't have the presence in your home, if you don't, if you don't, reverence the presence well then you might have pestilence that tries to come into your home you know once people tell me they say well brother palmer uh, you know i have nightmares all the time at night and i had pe i've had people's numerous cases of people come to me and say well i've had i have nightmares at night and i say all the time they say all the time and sometimes you know it can be just people's brains being erratic and you eat too late at night or something or a lot's on your mind but Sometimes it's the presence of a wicked spirit. Not all the time, but a lot of times it is. And when people have them over and over and over again, then it's time to take authority over whatever spirit's in that house. But after you do that, it has to be replaced by the presence of God. When I go into a hotel room or wherever I'm sleeping at, when I'm on the road traveling, the very first thing I do is, I don't know what was done in that room before I got there. So I need the presence of God because the presence of God garrisons me round about like a shield. It's my protector. It's my comfort. When I have children, when I start my family, I want the presence in my home. I want, I want people, I want people, and this should be your goal when they say they need refuge, that your home is a refuge. And they don't know why they like coming to your home or they don't know why they like coming to your business or they like visiting you. But what they don't see is that they sense God's presence 
in your home. It's a refuge. Why? Because they get into there and, and they have to leave the serpents and scorpions at the door. That's what his presence is like. And so people accuse God and they say, well, he's not properly dealing with sin. They think because God cast Satan out of heaven and he roamed the earth for 4,000 years to propagate his league of darkness that he wasn't dealing with it. But like I said before, God, in the form of Jesus and the Holy Ghost, he was coming down to the earth to take his presence with him and take the devil by the neck and cast him out of the earth. And so when Jesus when when Jesus told the disciples his 70 and put his presence upon them, he was just telling them, guys, this is just in measure what's going to happen in the day of Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost comes upon all the church in all fullness and anybody that wants to follow me, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And what I'm going to do, uh, I see you're not, you listen to what I'm saying right now. What I'm going to do is that presence that the devil invaded, that cast him to the earth. When I sent the Holy Ghost in fullness, that presence that's in heaven is going to come down in fullness. And the power of God is going to come down in fullness. And his authority is going to come down in fullness. And his presence is going to be here through the body of Christ. And it is going to drive out and expel every single force of darkness. Every single serpent. Every scorpion. Every disease. Every sickness. Everything the devil tries to do. Like the Bible says, as the rushing mighty wave, as the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord rises up a standard against him. Like a, just a, like the... You know, you have the dam of humanity that is blocking that from coming in. But when Jesus died, it made man born again. And that, that born again nature crushed that veil of flesh, crushed that veil of sin, and caused the rushing water of the Spirit to hit the earth and drive out the devil. And that's what the Spirit of God does when he comes and he moves in power. He drives out the enemy. So you say, well, how do I know if I have the presence what is the response of the forces of wickedness when you get around them? Does wickedness get uncomfortable? People say, well, you know, Brother Palmer, we're just supposed to love sinners and we're just supposed to put up with them and love them and love is the way and love is how we're supposed to do things and we're just supposed to... Listen, you're not talking about love. You're talking about tolerance. And that's not acceptable. Jesus was not very tolerant. Well, he walked in love. He walked in the presence. But he sat with sinners. He sat with sinners and he had the presence on his life. Don't give, If you get around people and you just tolerate them and have the presence, you're doing them no good. But get around them with the presence and watch the homosexual transform and get delivered. Watch the adulterer get convicted and be changed. Watch. Somebody that's bound with depression, turn around to the Lord because you have God's presence upon your life and you're able to manifest that presence to them. So we need to revive the presence of God in our lives. I want to pray for you tonight. If you're listening and you need a touch from God, I want you just to stretch your hands out and I'm going to believe the presence of God will show up in your life and devour anything that the enemy has tried to do to you. Agree with me in prayer tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray the presence of God on every person listening. I take authority over the works of darkness in someone's life who is listening tonight. And I speak your presence. I speak your power. I speak your authority over them now in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare deliverance, healing. I pray, Father, that they would rise up and move over. All the obstructions and obstacles of the enemy. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for delivering, healing, and setting my brothers and sisters free. We give you praise and glory for it tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, we want to remind you that next week we'll be back on the Transforming Truth broadcast at 12.15 a.m. on Saturday nights. God bless you, and we will see you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com, or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash chrispalmerministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. 
and tune in again every Saturday night at 12.15 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.